Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the world of Warcraft and maybe sometime in the future other games. Not today. Um, I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've only got one co-host with me today. Uh, we've got the other Know Your Lore columnist, who's also an expert in all things Internet Dragons and Warcraft related. It's Matt Rossi. Say hi, Matt. Hey, everybody. Joe's not joining us today. He had some other stuff come up. So it's just going to be Rossi and I bantering back and forth about Gilneas, actually. Um, but before we actually jump into this week's show, I wanted to address a question from uh, Patreon. We had a question from Jonathan, and Jonathan said, Hey guys, just a little curious as to when we're going to discuss spoilerish stuff on the shows. I understand holding back for the main podcast, but what about Lore Watch? Jonathan, good question answer to that is we're so early in the alpha that I'm not really comfortable discussing spoiler information in great detail because as we've seen with prior alphas information that's presented lore that's that's presented it can change like somewhere in the middle of things things can get shut down and come back and have a completely different story so it's not necessarily worthwhile to de dedicate a ton of time to spoilers we will talk about them a little bit though and when we do we'll usually try and put it in at the back of the show with a spoiler warning in front of it so that people that aren't interested in hearing any spoilers from legion can go ahead and just stop listening to the podcast at that point so thanks for the question uh this week we're actually going to take a look at what we were discussing last time we got together which was gilneas I want to talk about Gilneas, and I want to talk about the Worgen, and I want to talk about uh, the history of the human kingdom, because the Worgen don't really kind of count as their own race, do they? Well, I mean, that's one of those things where you could basically consider them a race, but I mean, they were all born human. Yeah. But then again, so were the Forsaken. The but Forsaken were, but they've kind of... Um, Forsaken have their own reproduction thing going on at the moment, where, but they still make for other Forsaken out of dead people. Well, they're dead sort yeah, of zombies it's, it's one of those i have a hard time with this one because woran are obviously still human people i mean they are i mean they it's, can turn it's into Gen. humans yeah gen's still a human i mean he's he's it's a curse it's not yeah. like a physical malady type thing although well, i guess you, it has to be right well it, the thing is is like we don't know yet what happens when Worgen reproduce yes we like do if, we do? Yeah. If Worgen reproduce, they have a human kid. That what? that child is not infected by the Worgen curse unless they get bitten by a Worgen or we've seen that? Worgen blood. Have we actually seen that? Like, yes. We've seen Worgen, one, of the Worgen... Devs, one of the devs confirmed it. Worgen ah, children okay. are human. So, yeah, it's not a race. It is just there. It's a curse. It's the result of a curse. So what we have here is we have a human kingdom that essentially has a plague that turns them into raving dog people. That's good. Well, it's here's another example of it. Um, mm -hmm. Lorna Crowley, who never has had the Worgen curse ever at any point. Yeah. She's a Gilnean. Yes. She's not a Worgen, but she's like you see her constantly. Like she she is a. It's, it's she's weird. there you, right from the beginning, toting that shotgun with her two yeah. dogs. You can't really talk about Gilneans. Like you can talk about Gilneans without talking about Worgen. You can't talk about Worgen without talking about Gilneans because all Worgen we currently have in the game are Gilnean. We don't have any of the original Worgen. The I mean, original Worgen were night elves. Yeah, and that's the other reason you can't really call it a race. Because theoretically, other people could get this. No one has, 
but they could. You know what I mean? I'm just saying it's you. You could have like night elves. You could there could be. This is one of the things I wanted. I know we're not going to get it, but I really wanted uh, when the when Le- when the Legion was announced and they announced they're going to have this druid zone. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if there was some really ancient organ druid there, and he was a night elf? Like the and, first one? Well, not the first one because obviously that guy's crazy. He was kind of Lulu. But like one of the ones that you know got put in under the tree and who like eventually came out and was like, yeah, okay, I'm calm now. Well, it, it took ten thousand years, but I'm I'm feeling okay. Yeah, I mean, I still want to bite people, but you know, I'm aware I'm a wolf thing, so yeah, of course I do. <laughs> I'm uh, aware of the fact that that yeah. that I want to bite people because of this whole curse thing. That's not really a curse because I've got it under control, and I guess yeah. that's that's a lot of it too. Is that part of that whole starting experience as a warded player? You specifically go through a ritual to keep it under control so that you could shift back and forth between organ and human. Yeah. And that's the thing about organ is in general is that it's, it's, they're a race in wow because we needed another race, mm-hmm. but they're not, they're not a race. Actually, there's nothing of a race about them. They don't reproduce. They don't do the things people, you know, they don't have a, an identity outside of their nationality. Whereas humans have an identity outside of their nationality. They're really like a subset of humans. However, Gilneas is kind of as far as nationality goes. They're, that kingdom in particular is very proud of who they are, what they represent, and kind of holds themselves above the rest of humanity in a way. And I guess with that, we kind of have to get into the history of Gilneas itself. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. You want to talk start? about... Oh, I'll go. You want to talk about Greymane and, and uh, the original Alliance of Lordaeron? Well, I was actually going to go back even further. Oh, go ahead. I was going to go back to Strom because Ooh, yes, the, the first human kingdom was was Strom. Uh, you know, the Arathor kingdom. Strom being the the capital, what we now call Stromgard. Mm. Uh, originally, it was just Strom, and it was the capital city yeah, of the kingdom yeah. of Arathor. Yeah, and we we're not entirely sure exactly when they first started having the idea that they should have a kingdom. It was at some point. A couple thousand years ago, and they, it was an spent, empire at first, yeah. wasn't it? Well, it, it started off as one tribe, the the you know the tribe of Arathor. Yeah, the Arathor tribe, and they were united by the the first. You well, know, it was the, the Arathi tribe, I guess. Yeah, the Arathi tribe, they were the, they were united by the first um, king of of their people, and he basically just kind of I don't even know how you'd explain what he did. He he basically united them through violence, like he went out and conquered. One by one, Thoradin was his name, and uh, he conquered them one by one. But he couldn't like really hold them together because he didn't have any kind of central place to do it. That's why he built Strom, and that was the first city that humans had. Well, and a lot of it too. The the reason that he started uniting all these tribes, it wasn't just a random. I'm going to conquer you. You're going to serve me. It was the trolls. The the trolls were actually becoming a greater threat, and Thoradin saw this and realized that if they hope to stand any kind of a chance against the trolls, like defending themselves against the trolls, they needed to unite. And the only way really to talk to these other tribes was to go, okay, see how easy I conquered you? The trolls could conquer us even more easily, so we should probably work together. Yeah, and he basically started doing that over the course of his life. He started as a young a young man, and he continued on throughout his life. He eventually, um, he wouldn't have really had as much success as he did, except he made a deal with the then High Elves uh, of of Quel'Thalas. And this they was were, all during the Troll Wars. Yeah, this was they were fighting the trolls for a very long time since they arrived. They arrived on uh, the shores of the well, Eastern Kingdom. Well, they kind of, to be fair, they kind of built their magic capital city on sacred 
troll lance. So yeah, but the trolls, to be fair, the trolls are well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, little column A, little column B. Yeah. Without you know, d- you know, derailing into like elf lore, mm-hmm. uh, the problem we basically have is that you had two evenly matched groups. And neither side could really beat the other. Now, part of the problem is the trolls weren't uni- putting all their force against the elves because they like to fight each other a lot. Yeah. And then they had these humans that they liked to fight. And he- the problem they had with the humans was the humans simply would not be conquered. Nope. The trolls were like, we're used to conquering people and they just won't be conquered. We keep trying and they just won't go for it. Thoradin kind of half-heartedly reached out to the elves saying, hey, you hate these guys. I hate these guys. And he was amazed when King Anasterion... Uh, who is this, the offspring of, of Dathramar. I don't know if he's Dathramar's son or grandson. I don't, I've never... Judge, just judging from general age timelines, I would say descendant, but I, yeah. I don't think it's ever been clearly defined. Yeah, we don't know how old exactly Anastarian is, but Anastarian was a descendant of Dathramar, the first blood elf that led his people over to these shores, the first high elf, my, my apologies. They weren't blood elves yet. And so basically, deal was made... Magical, the humans learn magic from the high elves. And 100, sus- 100 yeah. humans, that was it. Yeah, 100 humans learned magic from the high elves, which was more than enough for them to then teach magic to other humans. This began not Strom's rise to power, but it also began Dalaran, because the humans who learned magic didn't particularly feel like hanging around about muggles, for lack of a better word. They were like, nah. They wanted some place where they could just kind of retreat and study magic and like continue to progress. And, and maybe even train other new mages. And you couldn't really do that in the middle of a tribe of conquering humans who had no interest in this whole magic thing. We're going to see more about this in, in Legion because King Thoradin's sword will be discovered. Mm-hmm. But we don't know yet exactly what happened. But at some point Thoradin died. Uh, and for you know, Arathor and Strom lasted for quite some time. But eventually... Uh, you have a large nation or a large empire, regionalism sets in, groups of you know, people in different areas start feeling like they're more this than part of the bigger thing. And at that point, yeah. too, the trolls really weren't a threat anymore. They exactly. defeated them. So why stay? I mean, obviously, that was what brought them together, but there was no reason to stay together after that had been taken care of. So you basically have a long period of fracturing. And each, you basically got a bunch of different kingdoms. Lordaeron being the largest. Little city-states that kind of split off. And one of them was Gilneas City, um, which was the origin of the kingdom of Gilneas. And that that's a, still, we're talking a couple of thousand years ago, which again, isn't a lot of time in Warcraft's timeline, but it's a lot of time if you actually think about human, human life. Human history. Yeah, that is the entirety of, of everything we know as Western civilization from the from like you know the the rise and fall of the Roman Empire on took place within two thousand years. Because you're looking at okay, the Troll Wars took place two thousand eight hundred years before Year Zero, and Year Zero was the beginning of the first war. Dark Portal opened. Yeah. So this was almost a really long time ago, like longer, yeah. so much longer than you would even think about so there were generations of humans that pretty much yeah. you know came out after this and one of the one of the things that happened was you ended up with basically seven human kingdoms uh i always forget one but i'm gonna try anyway Kaltiras, gilneas um alterac um stromgard uh the, the you know the, the hinterlands area uh lordaeron gilneas city and stormwind i think that's all seven did you count it yeah i was doing it with my fingers you were doing it with your finger i think you yeah. got them all uh stormwind was also known as the Kingdom of Azeroth, and Stormwind was like the capital city. 
But and it was at least in one in one book it was called Stonewind. Yeah. I don't Which get I think that was one. in this print. But But at any rate, so you had the Seven Kingdoms. Gilneas was one of them. Gilneas wasn't the most ocean going. They did a lot of trade, but despite the fact that they're right on the water, they weren't really big on ocean going themselves. But that's partially because Kilteris was really into that. Kilteris was island. like the naval yeah. pretty much the naval powerhouse of Gilneas? Those original seven, seven yeah. kingdoms and then Gilneas since they had they controlled a lot of the shoreline and a lot of the ports they did a lot of trade with Golteris. Yeah, and because of this uh, one of the things that happened with Gilneas was uh, it bordered on Lordaeron and Alterac. So it, they had trade partners on land, but they also had natural borders, the things that kept them from like, you know, being too bothered by those other kingdoms. Yeah. And they basically sort of over the course of the next centuries they became I don't want to say isolationist exactly, not at that point, but they were headed in that direction. Gilneas cared most about Gilneas. The Gilneans were very self, they want to say self-reliant. They, they cared more about themselves. Yeah. They, they were, they were more interested in what they could do, what things could be done for them than they were in like, you know, trying to be part of a larger community of nations, which wasn't, they weren't alone in that. Um, Alterac felt much the same way as well. But Gilneas' other unique thing is that Gilneas was a lot more industrial than other nations. Yeah. Like if you look at the, I don't want to say technology level, but if you look at the, the social and cultural level of each human kingdom for a while there, Gilneas was much closer to what we'd consider like Victorian than like say Stormwind, which was clearly in a high feudal setting. Yeah. You know, Stormwind, they were very, they were, they were very much about, you know, castles and no swords and knights and all that. Whereas Gilneas had kind of rumbled past it to a degree and, and they knew it and they were very smug. Upfront. Yeah. Smug is a good word. Uh, another <laughs> word for it might be outright, not, I don't want to say bigoted exactly, but definitely if you weren't Gilnean, you really weren't worth the time. Yeah. And I, I forget what Gen's father's name was. Do you remember what his name was? Archibald? It was Archibald. I want to say so, but I yeah. could be... I'm going to go with Archibald until someone... Yeah, goes. it was Archibald. Yeah. His, his father, King Archibald, basically took him on a tour of Gilnea City at one point and said, look at this city. It's the greatest city in the world. We're the greatest people in the world all these other kingdoms they're just going to you know you, they're just going to want to know what they can get from you and you shouldn't should always think about yourselves first our people first because yeah. we are so far we're so advanced and we're so much we're on such a different level than these other kingdoms looking down his nose at all of these other kingdoms but realistically he was not wrong he was not wrong in this assessment. He was, they were, they were, they were at like a higher level, well, like you just said, they were at kind of like a higher level of technology, a higher level of industrialism. They had more ports. They were doing more trade. They were more successful. So realistically, if any of these other kingdoms showed up, they were showing up to get something from Gilneas. They weren't showing up to give anything to Gilneas because they didn't have anything worth giving. Yeah, uh, just raw materials, really. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that you know. It's it's a view it's a view that's accurate but myopic, yeah. Because Gilneas had like such a Gilneas was was vulnerable and you're going to see in, in future when we're talking about the future Gilneas was vulnerable to stuff like magic like Dalaran for instance Dalaran wasn't industrial because they didn't need to be industrial. Nope. Why do I need a tr why do I need a steam engine? I can just make things like burn or freeze if I want. Yeah. And just like, float that thing across the room. Lordaeron didn't need Gilneas's industrialization because Lordaeron was several times larger. Like, they had you know, the people. They had the people, they had the army, and they had, like, the land. I mean, if you look at Lordaeron, the remnants of Lordaeron on a map today, 
it covers three zones. It's all the way. It's the eastern and the western plague lands. Yeah. Along and, with Terrace Fall. Yeah, and Terrace Fall. Uh, it goes straight across, you know, all the way across from one side of the continent to the other. It completely, it's a giant chunk. You know, it's it's everything in the north that isn't Elfland or Trollland. Uh, so Lordaeron didn't need it, didn't need the the rapid industrialization of Gilneas because they they had the farmland and the people. Um, they had the resources and they had the numbers. Yeah, and uh, you know, Kelteris had the navy, and their navy was nothing to sneeze at. Um, Dalaran obviously had the. I like to think that Gilneas kind of had like, uh, um, oh my gosh, what do you call it? Steamships? No, no, no. The relationship between two entities that are working together. Partnership? Detente? Partnership? No. Rapport? (laughs) Kind of. Rapport is kind of going along the same lines. They They worked together like they were intrinsically kind of working together because Gilneas had the ports and Colteris had the ships. So yeah, they were kind of reliant on each other almost. I would certainly think that Colteris took advantage of the fact that it was right there. Because Colteris was right there. I know it's not there now. Like a sympathetic? No. What is that word I'm thinking of? Symbiotic? Yeah, kind of. Uh, at least in terms of like the, when it, the way it used to be. Like you, It's not there now. Like You, you no. go ahead and not, it's not. You won't find it. But Colteris used to be right there between um, – the only two kingdoms that had that level of industrialization because Lorom, I mean, Gilneas was north of them and the dwarves were south of them and they, they could sail down to like what's now Menethil Harbor at the time. It wasn't Menethil Harbor, obviously, but the, the dwarves had harbors and they could sail down and trade with the dwarves and then go up and trade with Gilneas. These are the two big industrial powers. Yeah. And meanwhile, to the south, you've got Stormwind, which was it's cut so, off. It was kind of doing its own thing. Yeah. Like the people really? The thing is, is the people of Stormwind are basically people from the original Arathor who left. They flat out left humanity's like zone of influence and went south because they're like, no, it's falling apart. Everything's going wrong. We, we don't want to be part of it. So they ended up being this like the, the we original. We want to rebuild what Arathor should have been. Yeah. And they had the bloodline with them. Like, uh, Thoradin's descendants went south with them. And the thing that's really weird is Thoradin's descendants didn't want the throne. Nope. They were like, no, we don't want. We did that already. Uh, didn't really like how that worked out. You guys go ahead and be kings. We'll just be here being awesome. We tried it. Didn't quite work. Everything's splintering. So we'll just let you guys do it for a while. And so you got the dy- the, the Rin dynasty. I don't know if there were any dynasties before the Rins, to be honest. I don't know if that's an unbroken one or not. Good question. But we know that the uh, the Lothar family continued the um, Thoradin descent like right on until fairly recently. I gotta say, one of the things that's the biggest disappointment to me is that we've never found out if Lothar had like, you know, some little family stashed away in a cottage somewhere. I would love it if his daughter showed up and was like, you know, big sword, go thunk. Okay, I'm I wanna fight now. That would Hi, make- you know Arathi? I want it back. That'd that would be great. great. <laughs> yeah, that would be, be awesome. So good. <laughs> but you know, in terms of Gilneas, up until the first war they were basically they were being condescending jerks, but they were you could tolerate them because, because they had the resources and they had the trade routes. So yeah. you know you kind of had to tolerate them. And, and it, they served a they served a purpose. And so the, the, the seven human kingdoms all kind of they were like a family in that they fought amongst each other, but they closed ranks against outsiders. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens in the first war. Uh, Stormwind gets hit first because the orcs come in through the south. Yeah. Uh, the orcs actually it's funny. If the orcs had gone in a different direction, they would have gone straight into the trolls. But they didn't. They went north. If they'd headed east, they would have crashed right into the troll empires, and there would have been a huge fight with with the various troll tribes. Yeah. 
but they didn't do that. They went north. Or maybe just instinctively they were like, well, you know, they had to be fair, they had Medivh's guidance. That's true, and that's that's and a big. He was pointing them very clearly at the human kingdoms. He didn't care about the trolls. He wanted yeah. the human kingdoms wiped out. Well, I shouldn't say Medivh. Sargeras wanted the human kingdoms wiped out. <laughs> All of that, you know, it's really funny though to think about what would have been had he like played a longer game. It's funny. Sargeras was impatient. Isn't oh, yeah. that? Like, every so often, I stop and realize that immortal Sargeras was impatient. Maybe he was impatient because he was tired of being stuck he in a human body. He was so close to yeah. get, getting that moment that he just wanted to seize it. Because when you think about it, how long had he been waiting since the War of the Ancients to get this done? Yeah. Well, plus, you know? I mean, how long? Like, he didn't. He went into to, uh, uh, Magna Aegwin's body, like, around B, you know, before the, the, thir- before the First War. Like some 900 years before it? Uh, 898 maybe, I think? I don't know. I don't know if we have an exact timeline for that or not. But it was at some point, you know, way in the past. And then she, she kept, she hung around being the, you know, the, the guardian for another for several hundred years. She extended her lifetime far longer yeah. than any other guardian before her. And, you know, the whole time Sargeras is waiting and she still doesn't, you know, he's waiting inside her for her to have a kid. And she doesn't do it. And he must be like going, oh, am I ever going to do this or am I just going to be in here forever? But once they got to the point where yeah. it was like, hey, Adwin, you know, we would like you to hand your powers back. She pretty much gave them the middle finger and went to go have a kid. Yeah. And that's like all of this. It doesn't really sound like it has much to do with Gilneas, but it basically the first war, the, the destruction of Stormwind, the, the retreat of, the, of the, the survivors of Stormwind and the uniting of the human kingdoms is where Gilneas first starts to like really sink into complete isolationism because they barely helped at all. Yeah. Basically what happened was Lothar took Varian and the other survivors from the first war because in case you weren't clear about this, the orcs won the first war. Like they, they tore Stormwind to the ground and danced on the ashes and sent everybody else packing north. Um, yeah, the only thing that humanity managed was a, was a holding action to get the boats out. Yeah, that was pretty much about it. And when they got north, of course, Lothar, his first in- instinct is, I'm going to go to Capital City. I'm going to go to Lordaeron. I'm going to go to King Menethil. And we've got to figure something out because this they're not going to stop. They will not stop with Stormwind. At some point, they're going to recoup their forces and start coming north. And we need to be ready for them. So uh, he went to King Menethil and told him what was going on. And King Menethil said, okay, this isn't good. And he pretty much called an emergency meeting of sorts of all of the leaders of all of the human kingdoms. And Gen was one of those people. Yeah, and Gen wasn't particularly interested in what he was hearing. He didn't like it. He wasn't like, yay, Stormwind. I'm glad it burned down. But he was like, what does this have to do with me? He's like, the Gildans, I mean, we're fine. We'll be fine. We're awesome. Yeah, they show <laughs> don't up. don't we'll have shoot. anything to worry about. Uh, you know, sorry about you guys, but. These guys show up. We'll shoot them. We have guns. We have lots of guns. We like guns. Yeah, we're not seeing a problem. So and he, you know, he, uh, he didn't necessarily want to join that alliance at first. He didn't want to join the Alliance of Lordaeron at first. And no. it was Crowley, really, that kind of came in and ended up sort of persuading Greymane along with, um, oh gosh, was it Godfrey? I think it was Godfrey that was there. Yeah, too. it was. It was um, it was actually Godfrey and the other one. Uh, one Baron of the two, Asbury. 
Yeah. They they basically argued, you know, we don't need to give them much, but a token force, a token force would be fine. It would satisfy everybody that we did something, and it would cost us almost nothing. And, and of that we'd cost, be in their good graces, and that's kind of a good place to be. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly no skin off of our, you know, butts what happens. But if they if they give them a token force, and they basically they let Crowley pay for the whole thing. Yep. So you know, Crowley. Here's the thing: is Crowley was actually leader of the Northern Lands. Yeah. What's now Silver Pine. Yeah. Because Gilneas was bigger than the Gilneas you see when they do the Worgen starting it zone. It was pretty much the entirety of Silver Pine all the way down to Gilneas proper. Yeah. And so Crowley was lord of those lands. He was a powerful leader. And uh, and he was like, I don't want, you know, if if, the, if this comes my way, my people are going to get it first. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. You guys don't have to worry because you're all the way down on that peninsula with a body of water. Yeah, I, I actually am going to take the brunt. I'm up here in the thick of things, and I'd like it if we could do something about this. Thanks. Yeah. So he he supplied a force, and Gilneas was titularly part of the alliance. But after the war, um, the big problem was that they had a bunch of orcs to do. Yeah. And and nobody knew what to do with them, and and absolutely nobody cared. Like no no one was like no. Why should we? I think that I think it was um. It was Thoris Trollbane? Yeah, he was like, why should we feed these things? Yeah, Greymane just said, well, why don't we just kill them? I mean, yeah, obviously a, they were a threat, so kill them. Yeah, kill them, pave, pave the hole that you made when you tried to close that portal thing, just pile dirt over it until it's completely full, and let's call it a day. I, I don't see why we should set up a... You want to build a keep? And unfortunately, and yeah, Menethil was pretty much... He was like, no, we're going to do internment camps. Yeah, he actually managed to, you know, of all the people, he actually managed to get a very young Varian Rin on his side on them. Yeah. And if you're going to think of anybody you thought you'd think would be behind the Let's Kill All the Orcs campaign. It would be the kid who watched his dad's heart get carved out by an orc, half-orc, yeah. but still. But Varian, he managed to convince Varian, probably because at this point Varian viewed him as a father figure. And he'd already lost two of those. Yeah. He'd already had his dad get killed in front of him. Then Lothar gets killed by Orc. At this point, Varian is probably thinking, uh, yeah, I, I hate them as much as anybody, but if if Menethil wants to let them live, then I'm going to back him just because he saved my kingdom. I owe him everything. But Trollbane and, and uh, Gen were not on board. Gen and, in particular was really, really, really angry because this meant that essentially Gilnean taxes would be used to keep orcs alive, mm -hmm. which was a terrible idea in his opinion, and he wasn't exactly wrong in that assessment <laughs> no and and there's also the fact that he was mad about two other things he was mad about the fact that they wanted to build a keep down in the blasted lands oh yeah another guard he, he, he wasn't happy about another guard either oh he's like what well, just just cover it and let's go i don't want to watch it no, what what good thing is going to come out of that whatever comes out of that just just have it be underground or something i don't know and the other thing he hated was the uh the kingdom of alterac had betrayed the alliance during the second war. Paranold, yeah. Paranold yeah. did pretty much Paranold Paranold essentially he turned to the orcs, the orcs were preparing to march through his kingdom. And he turned to the orcs and he said, You know what? I will go ahead and let you just march right through my kingdom if you leave everybody alive. Thanks. And the yeah. orcs said, Okay. And they left him alone. Well, obviously this was discovered that he was in cahoots with the old horde and yeah, that did not end happily for Paranold. Yeah, his his family he died, his family dis was dispossessed, and Greymane wanted it. So did Trollbane. A lot of people wanted it. 
Yeah, and so there's a whole thing involving Deathwing here at this point. Uh, Only Lord at Aiden. that point, he was Davil Prestor. He was yeah. supposedly supposedly some distant relative of the Paranolds that everybody seemed to like for no particular reason. God, he's charming, isn't he? He's really charming. That guy is charming. You know what's really charming is when he breathes fire and is an 80 feet foot tall dragon. I had noticed that part. Neither and the have funny I. part, the part that was kind of like a little unusual and um, Ronan, was it Ronan? I think it was Ronan at that point. No, it was Crassus. Mm-hmm. Crassus. Anyway, he noticed that even Greymane liked Lord Prestor. Yeah, and if Greymane likes you, that was you... weird because Greymane didn't like anybody. <laughs> Gray, one of Greymane's dearest friends was uh, Terranus Menethil, and he hated. Him. <laughs> he hated him. Yeah, couldn't like, stand him. His last words to Menethil were something along, damn the Alliance, damn the Orcs, and damn you, Terranus. This is the last time I'm ever going to talk to you, so I hope you were listening. And that's he was right. That was the last thing he ever said to the man. And it's just, it wasn't even that Gen was a bad guy or anything. He loved his nation. He loved his people. Very much in love with his wife. Spent, you know, faithful to her for decades. Uh, nothing, no, had loved his family, loved his daughter and his son. He just was, if it wasn't Gilneas, he didn't really care. And he resented people for trying to make him care. And there was, you know, there was a lot of that was kind of from his father almost because Archibald pretty much hammered in that whole thing where it's like, don't rely on these other kingdoms because none of them are as good as Gilneas is and And none of them are worth your time. And what did he see? He, he saw them wanting, you know, Gilnean soldiers to fight in their wars, Gilnean money to build their idiotic castle. It in just the swamp. reinforced what his father told him because his father, yeah. you know, his father flat out said, if they come to you, it's because they want something. Yeah. And that's because we're so good. So don't ask for help from them because the moment you ask for help from them, you look weak and you are not weak. And Gilnaeus is not weak. It never has been. And it never will be. And so all this, Gen yeah. was just kind of that, that, that by that point in time that had just kind of soaked into him, you know, well, he was like, even then he was old. Like the guy was in his sixties by this point. Yeah. He was not a young man at the end of the second war. And he basically decided, you know what? F it. We're going to go home and we're going to build a wall. We're not only, yeah, we're not only seceding from the Alliance of Lord Ron. We're just going to secede from all of these people because, frankly, I don't want to pay these taxes. I don't want to fund these things that I don't believe in. And I don't think that any other kingdom has the right to ask me to do so when I'm so against it. And he he pretty much, he kind of, in a way, he blamed Crowley a little bit and he blamed Ashbury, I think, a little bit. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't maybe blame Godfrey. Godfrey. No, he no. he blamed Godfrey a little bit because Dude. the thing is, is like all their advice had gotten him was a pile of dead Gilneans and an alliance with a group of kingdoms that weren't doing anything for Gil- Gilneas, you know? Yeah, but what's really funny is how well Crowley played the whole situation because I'm mean, not Crowley, uh, Godfrey, because yeah. when it came time to build Gen's wall, Godfrey put it and logically in the best place to put it. Except that it meant half of the kingdom was going to be outside of it. And all of it was Crowley's lands. Yeah. <laughs> so he basically, you know, what, what do you do? Again, like, well, they can all come into Gilneas, but there's no room for them. There's no land for them. We'll just have them come into Gilneas. We're going to build this big wall. We'll build it right smack in the middle of this mountain range that has like this one narrow opening. And yeah, we'll be cutting off Crowley's lands, but sure, he'll get it. It's okay. He'll get it. 
And he he didn't because, as he pointed out many times, this leaves like all these people without homes, without any sort of they, these are farm people. They won't they won't have any farm now. The farm's out there. You just built a wall. They cut them off. You, he created a, a group of desperate, dispossessed people in one stroke. Yep. And that's where the Northgate Rebellion comes from. The Northgate Rebels were the people who used to live in Gilneas when Gilneas was still Silver Pine. Yeah. And uh, and there were some people that were from the the South part who also thought who Gen thought they got nuts. a raw deal. Yeah. yeah, there were some just straight up thought you know Ken's losing it. Well, yeah, <laughs> because the thing is, is like you know when the king of your kingdom shows up and says, "Hey, I'm gonna build a giant wall to close us off from the rest of humanity. Who's in?" You know, there's there's gonna be a handful of people who are like, "Are, are you, you insane? Are you insane?" Yeah, and so. This war went on for a couple of years. Uh, I think it, it actually didn't start until the wall was completed because I think there was always some hope that he wouldn't do it. Like, sir, you're not really going to build a wall. Come on. And the wall is being built and they're like, maybe we can talk them into building a really big door in it the was, wall. It was, yeah, they weren't, it kind of quieted a little bit. And then the third war started. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think one of the problems was that Crowley uh, supported the alliance. He actually sent a, a group with Jaina. Yeah. The, the Gilneas um, company went with Jaina to um, what, what became Theramore, and they were throughout. They went to Kalimdor, but yeah. even then, you know, it you had the Third War going on, Plague of Undeath. Lordaeron is desperately asking for help, and Gilneas is saying, "No, are yeah. you kidding? We're safe behind our wall. We're not coming out there." And then all of a sudden, they have hordes of undead pretty much trying to knock down the wall so yeah. Raymond's wondering what the heck to do here and that's where the warden came into the picture because he yeah, talked to the, Archmage well, we, should, we should we should mention that Arugal, uh, Archmage Arugal or Aragal um, he was interesting because he's one of the very few Gilnean mages yeah and he was like most Gilneans, he was a patriot and a bit of a chauvinist. He so was. He went to Dalaran and he studied in Dalaran, and then he went back to Gilneas because Gilneas was better. Yeah, like, seriously, this is the way Gilneans were. Yeah. Even when they even when they become archmages, they're like, yeah, it's great that we live in this floating magical city of wonders, but I, to I, be fair though, he he was in the main reason that he left Dalaran was because Dalaran was overrun by the scourge during the third yeah. war. <laughs> so he was like, well, I think I'm going to go home. And, I guess, you know, you I know. guess home, home is better than nothing. But again, I think it's like, what's really funny is that even at this point, the, the lines between silver pine and Gilneas hadn't quite been broken yet. Even Not though the wall, right. the wall had gone up, the North great rebellion had happened. Um, Crowley had been still arrested. had Pyrewood village and all of that. And they were kind of yeah. like outliers. Well, and, and, um, you know, Silver Lane, uh, Silver Lane's keep, Baron Silver Lane. He, he was still Silver in contact. Silver Lane or Silver Main? What so was, I think it? was it? Was it Silver Lane? I thought it was. But yeah. They were still in contact. and Yeah, it was Silver Lane. You're right. At that time, Rugal shows up and he tells Gen, okay, you've got these undead and that's a problem. And Gen's like, can you fix my problem? And he's like, well, I was studying this, this one book by this archmage named Ur, and he, he's got these fascinating ideas about this other dimension with these interesting wolf creatures and you know i don't know what i, I always find myself wondering exactly what ur was doing like because ur got almost everything wrong but at the same time he got a lot of stuff right there was stuff about the size of a loon and maybe it drove him a little loony who knows i don't know i you I, know i find i feel an awful lot like archmage ur was kind of getting pranked by the high elves maybe like, 
Cause it, or for that matter, the high elves might not realize they didn't know as much as they thought they did. Like, it because could be, they were because separated. those guys, they were separated from the druids. They weren't concerned yeah. with druid matters at all. So the formation of the Cenarian Circle and the whole Worgen problem, I'm air quoting here, the whole Worgen issue, that wasn't something that would have concerned any of the former well, high elves. I, I don't even know if they were still there at the time when that, because that, that, that war took they place. They were, they were, because it took place, it was basically, there was the War of the Ancients, the War of the Satyr, and then shortly after that was when the High Elves were banished. Yeah, but they probably weren't paying a whole hell of a lot of attention. Oh, you no, guys are it wasn't Satyr? their area of expertise. It's like, oh, Druid problems. <laughs> yeah, good luck, guys. You know, we could do magic. You don't want We could magic. do magic and fix things, but you yeah. told us not to, so we're just going to sit here doing Whatever. our thing, planning Let's... a giant magical storm. At any rate, Arugal, you know, uses the book, and he opens a portal and starts pulling these guys out. And that's the other thing that gets me is, are any of them still around? Because you never hear about that. The ones he pulled out would have been oh, the original night elves that became Worgen. Now, you and, play through the Worgen starting zone, right? Don't, yeah. Aren't there, aren't a few of the the Worgen there, aren't they night elves? There's night elves in the zone, but like, they, don't, they never turn through, into Worgen. Yeah, but when you go through to like do the whole purification process, I thought some of those night elves that were present for that purification process were... Worgen or former Worgen or here's the thing I never see any of them take the form well no so you don't if they're Worgen or former Worgen they don't say they never say and hey we've been living in this I can't remember if they have the same names as the ones in the comics or not I I know that um the priestess is there the one that was uh Belrissa yeah Belrissa who was not not Rilar Fangfire but the other one uh I can't remember his name either uh Rilar Fangfire I remember because man his last name is Fangfire (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, have, I have a hard time forgetting a dude whose name is Fangfire. You knew that dude was going to turn into a werewolf. Like, quite frankly, they, they, its names is Destiny. They just should have seen that coming. Are you talking about like the other one? Yeah, his friend, the one that she was his she was his lover, and Rilar was his best friend, and he wouldn't take the pack form, and that's why he got killed. Um, I know, isn't driving nuts? Cause you know, you know it. Bel- Belrissa Arvel. Arvel, yes. Yeah. Belrissa was there. Um, and so you know that they, it's possible that Arvel's friends, because the original, the, the druids of the claw, not the druids of the claw, the druids of the, the fang, who became of the, the pack. Druids. Were they pack and then scythe? They were druids of the pack, and then they were druids of the scythe. Yeah. And when they... they, they it's been a while of, since I've read Curse of the Worgen. By the way, if you haven't read the Curse of the Worgen graphic novel, highly recommend it. It was written by Mickey Nielsen and James Waugh, and it's like, really really good and explains exactly where the wording came from yeah the thing about that one that too is that you really get to see how we were talking before how they're not it's not a race it's not it's a curse the, the original worgen are straight up they were night elves yeah and that what's really fascinating is when you see worgen in the wild i i don't know where those worgen came from really especially the worgen you see up in northrend are they all from arugal like, is that where they come from? Like, did he bring the the curse up with him? Because I think that's so. fascinating. That's, but that's a digression. I'm sorry. Uh, well, let's so, move back to Gilneas, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. So he goes to Aragal, says, Aragal, you have something that can fight the undead. Cool. Let's do it. And that was a terrible idea. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Sorry, I was trying to get something. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry. <laughs> basically, yeah, Arugal pulls him through, and at first it's going great. They're it's fighting like, the undead. And they're totally winning. 
it's like, you know, wow, these guys are what's really great about these guys is that they don't seem to care at all about the whole undead thing. They just rip right through them. I really like this. How'd you get so many of them here? So many. I only brought through some, but there's lots of them. And that's when Arugal started to realize he wasn't in control of the situation anymore. No. Uh, and then the Worgen decided, hey, we've run out of undead to kill. Let's turn on these Gilnean soldiers. And the thing was, is that it's it's not like they turned on them and ate them. No. They turned on them and bit them. And then they were Worgen. And that's when people started to realize, oh. Oh, no. Is this problem. is a bad, bad thing. <laughs> Arugal went nuts at this point. He, he was he was so upset because the worgen to him the worgen were like his children and they were being very bad and also you know he was sent to help his king and he pretty much did the worst thing that he could possibly do it's like you know you had the undead problem but now you have the undead problem and werewolf which is you know bad that's not better <laughs> was your prop did you think my problem was that i wasn't screwed enough because i mean <laughs> ah, so he went to he pretty much went to uh well he went to silver lane keep and redubbed it Shadowfang. and yeah. rugel went made everything even worse there yeah uh, because that was when he started getting really creepy where he was like you're all my babies you're my hairy babies i don't the thing that's really weird is that the worgen went for it and I got to think that that's got something to do with uh, Alpha Prime there. Well, he was, yeah, he was there serving Alpha Prime pretty much. So the Worgen are all, yeah, that's a great idea. And they turned everybody in Pyrewood Village into more Worgen. Meanwhile, in the south, uh, Gilneas started to control its Worgen problem via the most draconian methods they could come up with, which was, you know, they started having hunts. Yeah. And the problem with going out on hunt and hunting Worgen is that the Worgen can, can hunt you. And eventually Gen got injured. And this is when Gen realized, oh God, if my people find out I've been bitten, then they'll they'll turn on me. They'll do to me what we've been doing to all these other Worgen. And he had this like epiphany of, can this be controlled? Have I been killing people that could have been saved? And so this was the beginning of Gen's, I don't want to say redemption, but his lack of, he finally started to realize I have been doing this wrong. But this is also where the Northgate Rebellion kicked in, because what happened here was that Crowley saw what a incredible mess Gen had made with the whole Worgen situation, and he was desperate to do something, because obviously Greymane's efforts weren't going to help them against the Scourge. And that's where, when he contacted Jaina and said, I'm going to give you a platoon of my men, I'm going to give you the Gilneas Brigade and I want you to take them out of here and take them somewhere safe so that there's at least some of us that stand a chance of survival. And Gen found out and he was not happy. He was so not happy. He thought that that was pretty much treason. And meanwhile, Darius was like, you, you destroyed my lands. You destroyed my you, land. You left my pe You basically forced my people into homelessness. You summoned werewolves. Into the nation, and now it's... To fight it's dead a, people, and now a, turned on us, and yeah, you're telling me I'm the treasonous one? Because I tried to save people? And that's kind of where it, yeah. it all sparked from there. Crowley was it, like, you know what? No. Actually, I like not even think, fit to lead. Uh, hold on, I actually try and do this in a Crowley voice. Gen, you're a fool! <laughs> I, can't, I can't do his voice right, but man, he no, sounds like but... he sounds like Lemmy Kilminster. He does, kinda. He's cool. <laughs> so, so Crowley and, and Gen went to war, and Crowley loses primarily because his support structure was, you know, 
on the other side of a giant wall. Yeah. I think that's the only reason Crowley really lost. I mean, they marched on the city. They fired cannons on at it. They kind of like set the city on fire, but it really didn't work because as much as they tried, there were still plenty of people who were totally loyal again and even more loyal at this point because they were like, okay, there are Morgan rampaging around the city and Gen is like our only hope here. So we need to cling to our King and you want to start a rebellion in the middle of this mess. This is stupid. Well, plus so, I think too, there's also the fact that guys like Godfrey and uh, them, they were loyal to Gen for personal gain. Yeah. And they saw a lot more personal gain with Gen than they would have with the guy who they screwed, basically. So they captured Crowley, and once they captured Crowley, all of the rebels pretty much went, whoa, and they went into hiding. Um, and they had stashes of weapons all over the city. All over the city. It wasn't just, like, the, 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 the people that were fomenting the rebellion, they weren't just outside the capital city walls. They were in the city itself, and they were just waiting for the right moment to rise up from within and that moment never came because Crowley got himself captured and that's where the Worgen starting experience kind of kicks in I think it's literally right before it yeah because uh, you basically still have at this point the, the Worgen took the advantage of Gen and Crowley fighting amongst each other to advance um, part of the problem was that it, it, it spreads like a play you know you bite somebody they become a Worgen uh, it doesn't. It doesn't immediately hit, and it, you you can't overpower it if your will is strong enough. Gen actually, Gen didn't need the ritual, and he didn't need like Aranus's fancy medicine either. He mm. just straight up wouldn't turn. Like, he f- forced himself not to. And I think there was a, there was actually there was a time gap between the end of the rebellion and when you come in, because Crowley he's been in prison for a while. When you go to get him, um, they do mention that he's been imprisoned for some time. Like they yeah. caught him and he'd been in prison. His daughter was still running around the city. Well, yeah, she Lorna. still had the yeah, she still had the uh, cannons in her basement. <laughs> I love Lorna. So but, yeah, Lorna Crowley. So basically, what happened here was Gilneas was so self reliant that it kind of splintered in upon itself. Yeah, because everybody yeah everybody was trying to like do the Gilnean thing about things, and unfortunately, no one could agree on how that would actually work. So you ended up with a situation where they fought each other and then the war got advanced. And uh, here's the thing is, to this day, I'm still not clear on this. Uh, I'll admit this. I don't know how many people are, are, are cursed and not. I feel like the curse spread pretty far. It spread pretty far. Not everybody was afflicted. There were yeah. Gilneans that escaped that were not afflicted with the Worgen curse. And as I said, you know, when we started recording, it the way that it works... Gilneans, you know, if two Gilneans have a child, that child is not afflicted. It's not, that curse is not passed by blood. It's a magic thing. Well, it's passed literally by blood. Okay, it's passed literally by blood. But, I mean, by blood, like having a baby. Yeah. That you don't pass to... the curse automatically to your baby. But, you, yeah, you, in fact, that was one of the interesting things about um, the Undead Zones quest that, that tied in. Um, was that, at one point, Crowley is offering his blood to people from South Shore. Because the people of South Shore retreated to Fenris Isle. Remember, Alterac, South Shore is part of the Alterac Kingdom, technically. And technically. They, they retreated. You know, they were like, okay, we've been doing what Stormwind says because everybody else was dead, but now the undead are marching on us and have hit us with plague bombs. So they ran to Fenris Isle and they met up with Crowley, who was like, look, you don't want to turn into undead? I got the fix. I got the fix. Yeah. If you drink worgen blood or if you're bitten by a worgen or if you, like, drink 
the worgen blood, then you're made a worgen. And once you're a worgen, you're incredibly resistant to being yeah. made forsaken. Incredibly it, it, resistant. It seems like the only way they can be undead is through the direct application of like power on the level of the Lich Kings. Yeah. Like it doesn't seem like they can you catch have the, the worgen death knights. But he like straight up like he he like pulls them into death. Yeah. Like he, he isn't it isn't like with the uh, the curse the I mean the, the plague the plague gets you you get sick you turn into like a, a shambling zombie the worgen seem like to laugh that right off like they yeah, don't care about that, that wasn't at all. that wasn't a concern so much. Um. So yeah, that's pretty much and everything. Oops, my phone started beeping at me. Anyway, uh. Everything after that, obviously, you know, you play through the Worgen starting zone, you get that, you see the resolution of what happens to Gilneas, which is essentially the city is evacuated. Um, yeah. And they all go to live with the Night Elves, except for Gen, who's hanging out in Varian's throne room. Well, um, some, there's obviously some Gilneans and Worgen who stay in the city, stay in the area. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Crowley does, Lorna does for a while. Um, should we, I mean, we're running out of time. Should we do like a quick, quick bit of Legion spoilers? Yeah, why don't we, um, let's go ahead, well, yeah, we're going to start wrapping up here, so basically what we wanted to cover today was kind of the history of Gilneas, because obviously Gilneas and Gen and the Worgen and all of this other stuff is going to come into play in the Legion expansion. We knew that, because Gen showed up, you know, on the cast page. Um, so we're going to talk about that a little bit, and if you don't want to hear it, this is the point where we say goodbye, and we will see you next time with a Joe here, preferably. <laughs> And we may even go a little bit further into Gilneas where we might talk about some of the other human kingdoms or heck, we might talk about orcs. Who knows? Um, so this is your spoiler alert. And if you don't want to listen to spoilers, we will see you next time. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Go. Well, I mean, us. one of the things you see, like one of the, the two zones that you can do is, is Stormheim. It's yeah. one of the two zones. And basically the intro to it from the Alliance perspective is you get a summons from the King of Stormwind to go meet up with the Skyfire. You get to the Skyfire and Gen Greymane's there. Uh-huh. And he's like, he's working with uh, Admiral Rogers, Sky Admiral Rogers. And she's like, we're going to go follow the uh, Forsaken fleet because the, the war chief has summoned them to go to, they're going to, they're going to steam out from Orgrimmar. They're going to all go to, to the Broken Isles. And we're going to, officially, we're going to follow them and observe them unless an opportunity presents itself. And Gen's like, and an opportunity will present itself. Gen's out for revenge, basically. Yeah, Gen, Gen's He's not happy. Yeah, Gen, putting Gen in charge of this mission was a possible mistake if your goal was not to attack the, the outright. Because that's exactly what Gen does. Gen doesn't like the Forsaken at all because, quite obviously, they yeah. were responsible yeah. for the death of his son, among other things. They invaded his kingdom, killed his son, drove his people out. He he ain't happy. He especially ain't happy at Sylvanas because she's the one who killed him. She directly killed him. Yeah, and so, he yeah. saw it. Yep, right in front of him. So yeah, he's out for blood. But the funny, the best part of this whole thing is who he's put in charge of the mission. Oh. Uh, Commander Lorna Crowley. <laughs> and straight up commander, and in a full alliance uniform, carrying the crest of Lordaeron with a big flaming sword. She is straight up in charge of this mission. She is the Sweet. person who gives you orders. Uh, I won't spoil how it goes, but the, the Gilnean storyline is moving forward. Even though they're not in Gilneas, the Gilneans are moving. And it's not just Worgen, it's Gilneans. They're getting their revenge? Well, they're at least trying for um, There's okay. definitely a sense of, th this, is not, this is not a mission where they just stomp the other side or anything like that, but they're definitely working on revenge, and it's definitely continuation of the Cataclysm story. That's good. Um, yeah. That's real so, good. 
there's there's a lot more to it, and I didn't want to like I don't want to like I said I don't want to dump like too much on people, but yeah. Again, I wouldn't dump too much because again, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show here, stuff storylines like this, pivotal storylines like this, they can change. Yeah. Through the course, and because we're in alpha, you know, it's early. We've only seen two zones opened up, and they're not even. I don't even know if they're fully opened up at this point. Are they? They're still beginning to end. As far as I can tell, they are. But, I mean, that doesn't mean that there isn't side stuff that isn't finished. And there may be more things added. Some things yeah. may be taken away or tweaked, just depending on how they feel the flow works with the story or if they want to suddenly introduce another element or make some kind of plot change. They yeah. can and they will do that. Yeah. The, the hardest reason, the hardest thing for me here in telling you anything about it is that I'm doing both at once, so I'm not getting very far. So I probably will have to sit down and focus on one of them at some point. But, yeah, at least I doing wanted to both, say that. what? Both zones. Oh, okay. I have gotcha. a char- I have I have a horde character doing one zone and an alliance character doing the other zone. There was no way I was gonna not do Stormheim on alliance character. Oh yeah. But, uh, in terms of other things, uh, I, I can only say that you know, Gen acts the way you'd expect. <laughs> Has he learned anything? Has he learned oh. anything from his experience? Uh, I think he's learned to hate the Forsaken a lot, like a real lot, like very very much. Is there is there a sense of camar? camaraderie with the rest of the alliance or he certainly isn't he's he's not he doesn't act like you know gilnayans can handle this and you guys can all go you know he kind of learned that lesson when he lost his son yeah he he definitely isn't that kind of put the hammer yeah he's working with the alliance it is straight up he is he is there as a representative of the alliance he's he's there for gilnayas but he's there also as a representative of the alliance he's working with sky admiral rogers and he has no problem doing so yeah i'm glad that we're seeing him do something though because yeah you know ever since cataclysm pretty much cataclysm it was like worgen starting experience woo you get all this stuff from their king and you, you know you play through all this fascinating storyline and then it just kind of ended there's one other confrontation in this thing that i can mention i'll just mention who the, the players are okay you you get to see these two people fight gen Greyman and nathanos <gasps> yes like collar oh yeah oh my um, God, on the deck of the Skyfire. So um, I don't know if Horde people get to see that. I don't know what the Horde starting thing is, but the Alliance sees Blightcaller fight again. And it doesn't feel like a final fight, so I don't know if they fight again at some point. Oh, man. If you ever want to hear somebody snarking the living heck out of Gen Greymane, this is the fight for you. Nathanos was basically like, before he died, he was a hero of the Alliance, but he was also, the thing that made Nathanos kind of extraordinary was that he was trained by the High, high Elves. Yeah. In archery, and he was actually admitted to the Far Striders. This was unheard of. This was, he was the only human that got it. He was yeah. like a tactical genius. And I mean, he was like one of the best soldiers the Alliance had. So when he died, it was, it was a loss. It was a really big loss. But yeah, yeah. he, uh, when he was pretty much raised into undead status and became a forsaken of course he went back to sylvanas because sylvanas was one of the people that had trained him she was the ranger general of silvermoon <laughs> you know so they had like this former thing go i'm so excited he's back i love him i really uh one of yeah. my favorite favorite things to do was you know when you were out there in uh, eastern plaguelands he used to have a series of quests and he'd He'd send you out on quests, and it wasn't the quests because they were just, you know, standard fetch quests or whatever. Go kill this thing. Go kill that thing. It was the way he gave them to you. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my God. He you was idiot. so full of contempt for yeah. everything. 
Well, he he treats Gen with no more, with no less contempt. There's one part where Gen yells, "Monsters!" and Nathanus is like, "Really? From you? That's rich." <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. So, oh. Who wrote this? I need to know, I know who wrote that. Oh my it, gosh. You're definitely gonna have to ask. It, it definitely kind of smacks of. It's it's very sarcastic. Let's put it that way. Okay, so you guys have that to look forward to. There is a lot. There's a lot of stuff to look forward to in Legion. Obviously, like I said, we've only got two zones open so far. I haven't made it very far in either zone because I've been on vacation this week. So I've been doing everything but Warcraft, pretty much. Um, but we will get more into it. And again, you know, spoiler content. We'll kind of try and keep it to a minimum. And when we do, we'll put it at the end of the show. Anyway. Blizzard Watch is made, excuse me, not Blizzard Watch, Lore Watch. <laughs> Lore Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And, you know... We aren't, I know that there are a lot of people who are pro spoilers and want to hear a lot of spoiler content. And I, I know that there's just as many people who don't want to hear them. So we will try and keep it clearly labeled for people. Anyway, I guess final thoughts, Rossi. Uh, if nothing else, the Worgen proved one thing absolutely clearly. What? And that's that the Alliance does have room in it for absolute monsters. Straight up. Do you monsters. think they're monsters? Do you think? Do you think? Yeah, I think that's their struggle: is that they they have the curse in them, and every single one of them has to find their way through it to deal with it. Uh, and it's one of the things I th- I really like about them uh, is that the idea that you know you want to do the right thing, you want to avenge your people, you want to save your kingdom. But, but there's a dark part of you. Yeah. There's a part of you that like th- there was a video. It was an unofficial video made before Wow, before Cataclysm actually came out by Gnome Chewer. Mm-hmm. And it was an, a, a machinima called Wolf Like Me. Oh, yeah. And it's just this great moment where the, the Forsaken have invaded and then like one of them gets chased back to the boats and you turn and there's all these worgen behind him and you know they're going to rip him apart. Ooh. And that's what they did. Like when you watch, the only reason worgen lost Gilneas was because of the plague. Yeah. If they'd stayed and fought, they would have lost all the people that weren't worgen. So they had to get them out. They had to evacuate. Yeah. And that... There's a. I like that the alliance has these these monsters. I like that they have that because they they really are a great counterpoint to the Forsaken. I like because man, if you're Forsaken, wouldn't that make you mad? <laughs> that these guys, you 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 treated us like monsters. You you basically forced us to live in the sewers of a dead city, and then you tried to even take that away from us. But them, you welcome in the isolationists who wouldn't help us. Them, you welcome. In. There's a lot of probably underlying bitterness involved in between this rivalry that goes yeah. deeper than Sylvanas versus Gen. Oh yeah, totally. Um, so for more Worgen information, if you if you're looking for that kind of thing, I would recommend reading obviously uh, Curse of the Worgen, the graphic novel that I mentioned earlier. There is a short story called Gen Greymane, Lord of His Pack, that explains a little bit more about the history of Gilneas and Gen in particular, and then the novel Wolfheart actually does a pretty good job talking about a little more about the intrinsics of Worgen. And it goes over that time period where the Worgen were trying to join the Alliance and Varian did not want them there to begin with. So that one's another interesting one to pick up and read. Anyway, that's it for this episode. We will see you guys in another two weeks and hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.